Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I give a shit. How are you guys doing today? Everything good? Uh, it's gotten a little cold out here. Uh, I've got a big day today here, so I'm going to get through the on-air read immediately, all right? Uh, listen, we are being sponsored now by MeBottle.com, and it's this really amazing uh, Me Bottle that, you know, that you put water in or you put stuff in and you can carry it with you and drink, and it's got a single change via micro USB that lasts up to 30 days, so it's... 99.9% effective against E. coli, uh, which is really good because no one wants E. coli. So go to mebottle.com and uh, it, is, it is a great, it's actually really beautiful. You should check it out online. So, uh, okay, let's get down to it. Um, I have, um, honestly, like one of my favorite comedians, I know he's giving, he can't take it. He just can't take it. But John F. O'Donnell is here today, and we are really, really lucky to have him back in Bushwick because he just spent five years on TV doing Redacted Tonight, which is a crazy, funny, uh, you know, John Stewart-type political comedy show. And he was a correspondent, probably one of the more, most popular ones, and he's done that for a while and he's back here and he's going to be doing he's going to be doing his cobra club show which is the best show in bushwick which isn't well it's a great show great lineups every friday night at the cobra club anyway we're going to get to him and uh he's also uh unabashedly bipolar which we all appreciate (laughs) right john are you bipolar yeah i'm bipolar one you guys which is also known as classic bipolar you know classic lisa like the beatles white album <laughs> that's what my mental illness is but i just want to say really quick lisa thank you you're one of the sweetest kindest people and Aww. you're wonderful Aww. and Aww. i just wanted to say thank you for having me oh oh you're very very welcome um, John is John is using his bi- you're using your bipolarness to have really have your shit together now. He, he's it's true. I'm overcompensating. Right? Yeah, I'm like, overcorrecting all over the place. Right, totally sober. He's <laughs> telling me he's going to yoga every day. I am. Oh, I I dropped. I buried the lead. I'm a I'm a vegan. A vegan for a year and a half. What? So yeah. so sober. He'd be really loving it. Yeah, boring. No, it's good. <laughs> no, I, no. Uh, I'm happy. Honestly, yeah. having my creative outlet, being able to write perform is huge for me and uh i really like club soda with lime and a splashy cranberry if you guys have not had that uh lisa's listeners try it it's quite effervescent and if you haven't you know i hadn't seen john in person in probably several years and he looks like such a fucking cleaned up version of his old self my I look God. healthier and I look younger than I looked a few years you ago. You could work in an office, man, for, for an hour, for an hour or two. Well, that's Maybe the, answering guys, a phone, not answering phones yes, in the back no, room. No. Yeah, in a very, very back room. If, <laughs> uh, yeah, if you guys saw me, I have like a right wing narc haircut, but I, uh, I dress in all black like an aging hipster. So I am, I'm creating that anar- anachronistic vibe. But you could rock a suit. You rock us. You do rock, actually rock a suit, which is crazy. Yeah, I was wearing a suit unredacted tonight for a long time. Crazy. And 
as like a credential journalist, I had a, they gave me a congressional press credential for a while. I kn- and then I would go to all these debates as a journalist and I would troll like no one has ever trolled before. Did they ever find out about you? Uh, I, I'm assuming that they knew who I was or had to find out at some point, but nobody really cared. But I, yeah. I, uh, they didn't yeah. look at your criminal record, your <laughs> petty, the- your petty criminal record. This guy's been in jail. I have been in jail, but that was after. Well, I know I've oh, been that in, was no, after. No, I had been in jail before that. But uh, but this is the thing. <laughs> if you're bipolar, you know, you can get them charges dismissed. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, free swim. Oh, there are <laughs> yeah, advantages. Free, See, free swim to commit by- crime. No, I do not recommend that if you have a mental illness, you use that as a pretense to commit crime. I didn't know that. Because it's still a pain in the ass. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so one more thing until we get to our our other special guest call-in. This is so crazy, folks. Uh, Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of how to... We Okay, we got these buttons in camp in 1969 that said, I was in Camp Rita when the U.S. landed on the moon. That led me down a hole, a K-hole, as they say, to Facebook, and I reconnected with this boy, now man, that I had a thing with at camp, at Camp Rita and Arthur in 1969. And I have arranged, we haven't, I mean, I just checked in with him briefly the other day to make sure everything was okay. up on okay but we are going to have him call in and we are going to be talking to him in like a few minutes after i tell you about my live show that i'm doing friday night and try and sell tickets to that but we're going to have him on in a second and i'm really really excited john are you can you imagine me as a 13 year old with a boy in camp no I, uh, I'm really excited to see how this transpires. <laughs> so am I. Is he, what is his like, his, uh, situation? His, his name is Howard Eckstutt. Yeah, it is. I remember he had really bright red hair. I've seen pictures of him. He's like a really happy guy. He's got like five grandkids, a beautiful family. And he's also a, um, financial, of financial advisor, financial planner. And I'm like, fuck, I should have married. I mean, my husband does well, but like a financial guy, I should have married him, John. But what direction would your life have gone? You might not be in the wick right now doing a radio show. I don't know. I'd be, oh, he would, it would never have happened. It would never, I would have, I would have had to like, had the presence of mind to like figure out this is good. Go with this, you know, make this work, Lisa, because It'll make your life a lot easier. Just go with this guy. You know, I didn't get married till I was 54. We know this so. But anyway, <laughs> let me tell you, he would never have gone for it. So anyway, as an, uh, like, he didn't really get to know me. It was like camp, whatever. So I want everybody to come and see me do psychotherapy live on stage tomorrow night as part of the Bad Theater Festival. So you go to badtheaterfest.com. Um, it's at the Brick Theater, 575 Metropolitan Avenue, off the Lorimer stop of the L in uh, Williams near Williamsburg. I have all the information on my Facebook page. But please come. I haven't done this in a long, long time, and I don't know when I'm going to. Live audience volunteers, you, you, you listener, you, you could be psychoanalyst. Okay, let's get Howard on the phone. I'm a little n- nervous, I got to say. Howard, are you there? Lisa, don't be nervous. I'll be gentle on you. 
<laughs> oh, Howard's so nice. Doesn't he sound like a nice guy? What's up, Howard? How you doing, buddy? Hey, John, I have to say, after listening to uh, the little bit of story I got from you, you really sound like you have your shit together. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. It's been a couple months. See what a positive <laughs> guy Howard was? You've you got to start somewhere, right? I'm being very proactive in keeping my mental health central to my life. Okay, Howard, go, I'm going to tell you, you like, briefly what I remember about our... Uh, I, I, you can't really call it a relationship because they didn't let the boys, we were 13 or 14, whatever. They didn't let the boys and girls mix that much, but we met in camp. We, uh, hung out a few times and then you came to visit me. You lived in, uh, Philadelphia and I lived in the suburbs and you came to visit me in the suburbs after camp, right? That's correct. That's how you remember it. And the, the thing that stands out in my mind is, uh, we danced at a barn dance. Do you remember that? Absolutely. Cow, cow, what do they call it? Cow, cow, barn dancing? Cowboy dancing? Uh, yeah, something like that. Something barn like dancing. That. Barn dancing. Barn dancing. Have you ever done that? John looks like you have never well, heard of barn no, dancing, I, have you? Kind of. I mean, we're older to, than you are. But I went to 4-H camp once in uh, in like rural New Jersey. That's nothing like this. This oh, is rich okay. Jews. Rich oh, yeah, Jews. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not that I was one, but rich Jews at camp. All Jews. They show you like how Jews get killed in masses in mass at camp in the old days. In the old days. Oh wow! So so, so well, I'm and Jewish. Don't my mother's, you are? My mother's maiden name is Leibowitz. Oh, okay. You're so half Jew. I'm oh, half then you're a Jew because your mom. Yeah. So, my sister's married name, John. Yeah. 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 So we so yeah. Related. You, don't let it happen again. I hope so. Remember what happened. So, what what's your memory? What's your memory, Howard? What's your memory of me there? Tell me. Well, Lisa, here's what I'm going to tell you. First, let me set the stage. Um, uh, back then in 1969, I was a fat kid. Wait, no, that's not politically correct. Let's say chubby, a chubby kid, and um, I was, um, uh, you know, very shy. And uh, you, you had know, red hair. Uh, red hair. Red curly hair. Yeah, I remember that. And um, and and didn't uh, you know didn't have a lot of self confidence. But um, you were so friendly and had such a, a beautiful smile Aww. that you know I, I felt like uh, it was really easy to talk to you. Really? And, uh, and, yes, absolutely. And my fondest memory, and I don't have a lot of memories, but um, beside the barn dancing, we were in the pool one day. Uh-huh. They, did, they did allow us to swim together some at certain <laughs> times. It was co-ed swimming. And um, uh, you were floating on your back, and I was holding you up, uh, you know, and I was and I was giving you a ride. I was like walking, Oh, romantic. Holding you. you don't remember that, huh? No, but, no. That's hot, though. That's okay. That was, that, that was my That's what you remember? Memory. It and was also, like, oh, wow, I'm touching this girl's naked back in the I, pool. Was that what you were thinking? I, I was thinking that, and then also I have to share. Now this is, uh, you know, this is this is really, um, you know, uh, um, uh, me coming out. It was the first time uh, I ever kissed a girl, and that was it was just on your cheek. Oh, really? Too. Yeah, you I were like the first boy the that ever showed interest in me. But you remember kissing me on the cheek? I remember kissing you on the cheek. I was and the funny mm-hmm. thing. What's that? Go ahead. No, go, you go ahead. I was going to say, um, and when I came 
to um, meet you at your house. Uh, first of all, I lived in South Philadelphia. For those of you that you know, aren't familiar with the city, I mean, that's pretty much as far south as you guys live, right on the border of New Jersey, mm-hmm. South Jersey, and yeah. Philadelphia. So, and Lisa lived in, um, I don't know if it was Elkins Park or Cheltenham. Yeah. Elkins, uh, yeah. Elkins Park. Yeah. Linwood Gardens. On totally opposite end of the city. So in order for me to get there, of course, I was too young to drive. I had to take two buses and a subway. <laughs> and a subway from one end of the city to the other. Wow. Wow, you had to earn it. Way, but, but it was worth it. And it was. I, I it was, believe, right? Look at us now. We're on the, the yeah. I'm glad you did that. Look at this. 50 years later, we reconnected, and uh, and it feels just as natural as if I was talking to you when we were 13 years old. The <laughs> this only is... thing I don't remember, Lisa, and maybe you can, maybe you can fill in some of the blanks, is uh, I don't remember why we got disconnected. So oh, you I mean, I mean, after, like, why we lost touch? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was all, I, re, I have letters from you because I know I've seen them as an adult, but I don't know where exactly. I tried to find them, but I don't know where they are, but they were all written on yellow stationery, like like see-through vellum station yellow. Do you remember that? Ah, uh, that sounds like me. You wrote me a lot of really nice letters. This is overwhelmingly I, heartwarming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure I did. And, I don't know. I can't remember why we lost touch. I don't. And and I'm very sad for that. Ah, well, you know, you and your wife are going to come to New York. They live in, um, they live in, uh, in, where do you live now? In Pennsylvania. State College. State State College. College. Penn State University. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you seem like a really positive guy. It sounds like your life worked out pretty well. I mean, you're a, you're a financial planner now and you have a house and a nice family. I think, I think you're way better off than you would have been with me. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Lisa would have taken you on some sort of drug addled (laughs) nightmare, completely destroyed your life and stuff like that. And then, uh, gotten half your stuff. You know what? The ride might've been worth it, John. Uh, Oh, I don't know. See, this guy's so romantic. Oh you can see God. why I this liked him, right? You can see why I liked him. And I hope that reconnecting is this like healing thing, you know? So so let me That's ask great. you one more thing. Do you, Were you there when the U.S., do you remember seeing, did they show you like the U.S. landing on the moon? Do you remember that at camp? Absolutely. Remember that, right? Head counselors. I was in the head counselor's bunk and all the kids from um, from the division from that age group who were 13, the boys, that is. This is Arthur. Um, we were in the head counselor's bunk watching it on this, like, nine-inch black-and-white TV. But, yes, I remember it like it was yesterday. Wow, wow. How about you? you um, we were all camp? crowded into one room together, and they gave... Did you get the buttons? Uh, that, did they have uh, Camp Arthur? I was in Camp Arthur in 1969. I probably probably did. not. Um, I not I think really I could sell mine on thing. eBay. Maybe I'm not sure. You you probably could. Anyway, you, um, Howard, I on the Facebook website. Do you remember anything about my family or my house on Elk and Linwood Gardens? Do you remember anything about that? How horrible uh, my parents were. My mother must have well, given given you well, like the I evil eye. Your father, your father wasn't there when I because I came during the day. Right, he was probably at work. Right. Um, but I did meet your mother. Um, 
I, I don't remember a lot about her, but she didn't have a lot to say. I wouldn't say that she was unfriendly. But, um, but, <laughs> That's very uh, polite but she, of you. Um, but, but she was, uh, uh, you know, probably a little bit, you know, on the quiet side, you know. Yeah. I, I wouldn't exactly say we had a robust conversation. Well, you didn't ha- have her screaming. That's good. You didn't you didn't have her right. screaming at you cuz she she could do that no, too. she was very she was polite. So anyway, Howard, um it's really great to hear from you. I know we're going to be in touch after this. You guys better stay connected now. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're all, we're leaving our spouses and everything. I yeah, told my yeah. husband yesterday. Yeah, make some <laughs> make some bad decisions, guys, you know. <laughs> That was not supposed to get out on the air. <laughs> anyway, beans, girl. well, you know, it's better to, it's better. At least we didn't tweet it. Right. Yes. Right. Better way to find That's out. Right. So anyway, Howard, thank you so much for calling in. And I know we're going to be in touch. Lisa, it's been a pleasure. John, it's been a pleasure to, uh, to, uh, meet you, even though it's over the phone. And, um, I look forward to, uh, listening, uh, all of your podcasts. And cool. I'll see John on... on some oh, no, you TV should show. download his comedy special. Tell him about your comedy special. Give oh. me the web address. Okay. Yeah, what is it? What is it? Uh, I'm finding sure. it. Sure. I have uh, I have a stand-up comedy special called The Manic Depressive Chocolate Fountain Operator, uh, directed by uh, Brendan Canty, the drummer from Fugazi. And uh, you can get that at jfodcomedyspecial.com that's jfod comedyspecial.com and any of your listeners if you at the at checkout if you put in the promo code capital jfod lowercase special jfod special you can get it for free awesome well thanks for sharing that information and, yeah uh, check it out great I think, show i hope you like it thanks nice to meet howard you too, man. bye all right take care bye-bye bye. Wow. Howard, what a nice guy, right? What a lovely I would have had such gentleman. a nice life with him. Like, nice, now, calm. So, wait, I was like, so did you guys, this was 1969, Summer of Love. I mean, I know you were young, but I it was, was 13. Okay. So, it was a kiss on the cheek. Yeah, I don't think we ever really had any, like, like, I could tell he really liked me, and I, I, was, I liked him. I was also very, I, I don't remember myself being friendly. I was probably comfortable with him for some reason. I was yeah. very neurotic, but uh, nothing, I don't think there was ever any real touching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe like a slow dance kind of touching, yeah. but not real, real touching. But both touching. of you guys always sort of like stuck in the back of each other's minds for all these years. Well, you know... I remembered when I saw his name at the camp on the Camp Rita page. Yeah, yeah, And I was yeah. like, Howard, that's, yeah. there's only got to be oh, one that's Howard. that's so cool. Yeah, it is. And he is. has such fond memories of you. That's got to feel great. You yeah, know? yeah. He did make me feel really it's good. Like, it's nice to know. He makes me feel great, yeah. I must say. That's good. I mean, it's nice to know years and years ago, you had a sweet nature before you turned into a narcissistic <laughs> monster, a total asshole, you know? Just kidding. And no, no. It's funny because no, no, it's not no, true no, at no. all. I'm going to say you're buttering my balls yeah. now. You're buttering my balls. Because I told John that I was going to introduce him this way, and he said I was buttering his balls. I was, this is what I'm going to tell you about John, <laughs> is that I said he's the kind of guy that like is a great example of somebody who rides that fine line between genius and insanity. Couldn't Couldn't handle that, but it's true, folks. The thing about John, why I... Uh, well, he's been on, I, you know, I've been to his shows and he, 
you know, I don't, I've been, I did like one show he's been on. We have done stuff together. He's amazing. I've always really respected him as a comedian. He, like, when I think about, this is what I think about you, John. You're an example, and Michelle Ballin is like this too, is that it's really hard to be a comedian. Like, the the struggle of having to go out all night, every night, do the thing, put yourself up there. And uh, there's a lot of people who kind of, like, discipline themselves to do it. But John is really somebody who, like, like you can't function at anything else. And you're great at this. Is that right? I can function at a few other things. Maybe no, not No, but a like ton. you really extreme, you're like extremely talented at this. It, but it's yeah. not like you, you can't help but do this. Like there are people who have it all work. Like maybe now you got your shit together, but like getting started, like you had so many obstacles. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, for a long time, Maybe more, maybe more so than now. When I first it was the sort you. of thing where, yeah, I would, I really was like, okay, I kind of need to be performing every night. And it was the sort of thing where I would get this sort of creative uh, release and it would kind of quell sort of anxiety and self-loathing and entitlement issues and stuff like that. And then it would, the next day, like the, the beast would be awake again. And the only thing that it wants to eat is the, the laughter and love of strangers or whatever. Right. But I do think that now I'm at a place where I just really want to focus on creating exactly the type of standup that I want to, I want to do more like shows that are for a long, like this last hour that you guys can get that I was just talking about. That is, a, I'm really proud of it, but it's a bunch of bits that were written at different times and put together. Now I'm just working on writing whole hours from start to finish and then working it out in chunks in the city and stuff like that. Wow! And I feel like now a balance for me would be able to perform anywhere, even like, you know, two to four times a week would be fine. Mm -hmm. And as long as I'm working on stuff and trying to get these other projects off the ground and uh, being healthy. And part of it now for me, honestly, is just wanting to connect with people I care about that I uh, haven't, you know, crossed paths with yet in New York. So mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. stuff like that. So here's the thing about John, folks. So he's bipolar, the classic bipolar, like he said, and he's been bipolar. He says he's, you're 38. Yeah. And you've been po- bipolar since you were like 18 or 19. He's like 19 or 20. Yeah. 19 or 20. And being bipolar is a very, um, bio, it's very biologically based, isn't it? I mean, you yeah, can't. Yeah, they, they haven't been able to really identify it, but the, the belief is that it's, it has to do with uh, chemicals in the brain and stuff like that. Right. And certain neurotransmitters firing, the synopses firing too quickly and stuff. They haven't made a ton of progress on the specifics of that. And there's a genetic component to it too, but there's also environmental uh, things that can exacerbate it or kind of maybe something that would have remained latent becomes sort of uh, comes to the forefront and happens. But it's not like the kind of thing you can just like go to a therapist and talk it through and like you really need medication. Like there's just no question. Yeah. It's like there's no question about that. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, the therapy, but talk therapy is a very important part of it too. Like uh, that plus uh, medication plus lifestyle mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. can, uh, can, can put it can potentially put it into uh you know remission for an extended mm-hmm. period of time 
Uh, but the medication thing's tricky because I think for a very long time, uh, I was just trying to kind of outrun this illness and some of the medications I would be on, I was not feeling good on them. I was feeling, you know, slowed down by them and I wasn't sort of willing to, uh, accept that. And I kind of was just like, Oh, I'm not going to let this illness keep me from pursuing this, uh, this career as a comedian and stuff like that. Um, and the the truth is there's all of these newer wave medications that they use for bipolar disorder. They've kind of come back around and they have to admit and acknowledge that they don't work as well as lithium mm-hmm. that, you know, has been around for a really, really mm-hmm. long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of these sort of second wave antipsychotics, which are known as atypical antipsychotics, because they're supposed to have a lesser side effect profile than like the first line, which is, you know, which are very debilitating, but these second line ones still are really can be pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. But if, they, if, if for some people they help by, by all means, mm-hmm. you know, take them. But, but interestingly for bipolar one disorder, uh, if you can tolerate it, lithium carbonate uh, can really work and you can get a somewhat lower dosage if you're willing to put another mood stabilizer into the mix, mm-hmm. like say something like Lamictal, which mm-hmm. is actually, uh, an anticonvulsant that they found out has like mood stabilizing uh, capabilities. So is that what you're doing now? Those are the two medications the... I'm on. I'm on lithium and um, and lamictal, the generic of it, of lamotrigine. And I'm sorry, listeners, that was just like a 10 minute like pharmacy no, no, like, explanation. No, we need to know. No, I it mean, not, like look. A, for like, like a comedy podcast, it wasn't exactly. This well, this is, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Whatever for a, this For a comedian, is. whatever. <laughs> you know, but, but it's good because yeah. as a doctor, I need to know these things. Yes, so yes, thank you yes. for that. Uh, but, there's, but this is what happened to me was that I was on an amount of lithium that I found to be very, pretty difficult to tolerate. I was really tired all the time. I was, uh, you know, I wasn't, I was felt like I was, uh, I was dealing with weight gain stuff. I, my mind, I was having memory issues, word retention, uh, issues, uh, and it was really, really frustrating. And I, um, because the thing is, the thing about lithium carbonate is in order for it to be therapeutic, the therapeutic range is very relatively close to the toxicity range. Oh, wow. So that's why you have to get blood work every couple of months oh, wow. to make sure that you're in the proper range of lithium and stuff like that. Right. And quick question. What happens if it's the toxic, toxic? Can you, uh, it could be, you can get really, really sick. It can like really, uh, uh, affect your kidneys and liver pretty quickly and it can lead to, you know, skin discoloration. And Mm -hmm. so it's like a really fast illness. It's like you really get violently ill. Yeah. Yeah. That's my understanding of it. Yeah. Um, okay. And it needs to be like, if if Mm -hmm. you need to go to the hospital, like it's an emergency situation. Uh, okay. but you know, but the lithium that, that is used today, my understanding compared to say decades ago is, is cleaner and stuff like that. And there still is a risk long-term for, uh, kidney issues and, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and, uh, liver issues and stuff like that, but it doesn't, it doesn't happen necessarily, uh, to everybody. And there are ways to kind of, uh, try to protect that. Like, for example, if you're on lithium, you shouldn't take any uh, uh, NSAIDs, like uh, any like uh, Advil or any of that mm, stuff. The mm. only one to take would be like Tylenol, which mm-hmm. is acetaminophen or something like that, mm-hmm. because because NSAIDs are also processed through the kidneys, just like lithium. Um, 
And now they're saying like they used to have people would take lithium twice a day, sometimes even three times a day. But now it's like a best practice is starting to be to take it, uh, take it all once a day. So it's just kind of getting processed that one time. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, even recently I was on a higher dosage of lithium that really was knocking me out and I was pretty depressed about it. Cause I, I was sort of, you sort of feel like, Oh, now I have to resign myself to being this sort of uh, lesser than version mm. of myself with this sort of, Ooh. you know, memory of what it was like not to be oh. that. And that's just, it's just a very, very oh. debilitating thing. Yeah. You know? uh, so what happened was I last summer, um, let's see, I, I would say, yeah, uh, no. So 2018, the summer of 2018, and if at any point I'm just rambling too much, no, and you no, wanna, no, no, you just no, let me know. I um, will. No, okay, cool. But you're not. So the uh, the summer of uh, of 2018. Before that, I'd been really, really de- depressed for I would say since like November of the year before. So like a, a long time, you know, six to eight months more. And I found this this specialist. He specializes in treating bipolar in the UK in a different sort of alternative. Uh, holistic regimen and it's, it involves a lot and you have to, it really is a very regiment disciplined uh, program. But one of the main things, well, like was one of the things is to swap out lithium carbonate for something called lithium orotate and lithium orotate is more in the supplement world. It's not FDA approved, mm. but what they say about lithium orotate is it's more uh, bioavailable across the blood brain barrier in the orotate form than in the carbonate form but it also it has less elemental lithium in it. So it doesn't have the side effect profile. And if you take that along with other sort of things that help with the bioavailability, like different, uh, you know, kind of like minerals and vitamins and stuff like that. So it's like you do that plus uh, a lot of exercise, specifically HIIT exercise, which is high intensity interval training, which is supposed to be really good for the brain for something called BDNF, um, brain derived neuropathic function or something like that. Um, so let's do that. All this sort of brain relaxation techniques have a low inflammation diet, which kind of prompted me to become vegan, which I, I've kept that going mm-hmm. uh, and ha- make sure your sleep pattern is uh, is in line and that you're sleeping in total darkness it's called total darkness, like mm, sleeping therapy um, and, uh, you know, guided meditation stuff. So it's basically this holistic, really regimented thing and I decided to do that after running it by my psychiatrist, psychologist, family members, friends, everything. Let me just make one point, yeah. which is that um, this isn't something that could be like widely available because the compliance is so rigorous, right? You have to really, you have to really, you really be have into to it. really yeah, want to do everybody. it. And, and so, yeah. But here's the thing, right? Like it, it did just the idea of being able to have that as an option that that program, yeah. it gave me this little bit of hope. It just sparked this. And that was all I needed to kind of really motivate me to do it. Cause it was like, Oh wow, if I do all of this, it's not like I can only sort of get by. I can like thrive. Um, I'm going to, re- and I, I really, really was regimented with it. Uh, but you know what? It didn't work for me. Um, I got sick again. Uh, uh yeah. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to dismiss, dismiss it. Maybe it's for some people for sure. Maybe it's for people that have bipolar two disorder, which is less severe as what I have. Um, but, uh, but for me, it, uh, it really, uh, it really blew up. Like I was, I was, I finally was able to say to my, my talk therapist, like, like well into December, 
of 2018 that I didn't feel depressed anymore. And I was wow. like crying when I said, and it was like mm. joyful tears, wow. you know, like, like, like cathartic therapeutic tears. Wow. And then I was feeling good, but this is so sad and upsetting. Like by mid February of this year, I was off the rails again. Oh. So I only got this little window, you know what I mean? <sighs> and it was rough. Uh, and so for me, it didn't work, but Okay. And then there was a period of really, really rough stuff, which uh-huh. I will go into in a minute, but just to finish this, yeah. just to close the loop on mm-hmm. this story is basically then when I ended up coming back around, finding this level of medication, the level of lithium I'm on with the Lamotrigine and feeling engaged and creative and okay and healthy, I basically have taken now this sort of pharmacological, more, you know, establishment medicine but kept a lot of the healthy lifestyle aspects. Ah. And I don't know if I would have gotten there if I hadn't done that first. And as much pain as it was to have this other episode this year, because after the last one, I was just like, I don't have any more of these in me uh, to be able to find like the resilience and like staring into the abyss this last time around has been rough. And I'm, I can't believe that I feel okay about myself today. Well, you know, it's really striking about like the work ethic behind what it took to get you to this point, because uh, I don't think I don't like you kind of earned it. You know what I mean? You kind of made it happen because you, it seems like you, I mean, over years, you've done a lot of research a lot of work. You've tried different things. You tried that. And like, it's not like a magic cure. It's a cure that worked for you because you went out and did all these things to find that balance. Yeah, but it didn't work, you know? And right now it's But like, I mean, no, but what you're, where you are now is yeah, what, but because I, of the regimen. I hope. But you still don't I know. I don't fucking know, Lisa. You, still you know don't what know. I mean? Which is so fucked. Like, uh, I, um, you still don't know. Yeah, I. Uh, That's the hard. I'm wow. I'm optimistic, but I've been optimistic in the past, and uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's now it's the sort of thing. If I'm on this, if I'm if I'm doing all of these things, I really hope that it's okay because you know, it's like I'm. I like I try to be a kind person to people, and I'm nice to my friends and family and stuff like that. But the truth is, and. I, you know, I don't talk about this a ton. I'm not opposed to it, but it's painful. It's like, I have caused, you know, pain in people's lives. Mm-hmm. I have caused my actions, whether I was like ultimately quote unquote responsible for those actions because of my mental state, they're still my actions. Mm-hmm. You can't totally separate. I can't separate myself from that. It's certainly not mm-hmm. emotionally or how I feel about myself in terms of confidence and in terms of, uh, other, you know, the fallout that it's had on other people. I was going to say, like, it's, I don't think it's like in you, the you that I know, which is, you know, not, I mean, as well as a lot of people, but thing is like, it may not be in your nature, but you're still in your, in that state of mind. You're still, you know, doing, you're still doing these I'm the agent of that. I'm the agent of those actions. And you have the consequences. So if you do something wrong and you wind up in jail or you, Somebody doesn't want to talk to you anymore or something like that. That's real. That's real. And that's hard to cope with as well. It is really, it is. And, uh, and it's a weird thing. Like, even if people, you know, are willing to forgive you and people are, you know, over time and stuff like that, it's a different, it's a different, uh, ball of wax to, 
figure out how to forgive yourself. Or I'll say it in the first person. It's, it's more difficult for me to figure out how to forgive myself. Uh, and the stuff lingers. And mm-hmm. um, and I, I try to be, you know, cognizant of it and proactive of how to work through it and sit with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I really will. I won't try to just, when I'm having those thoughts and feelings, I won't try to just ignore them. I will acknowledge that they're happening and I'll sort of try to focus on my physicality, my breathing, how it feels in my stomach and stuff like that. And kind of, uh, you know, think about the, the reality that it's like, yes, the, the particulars of this are unique to me, but the phenomena is universal to the human condition. So if I can kind of have that realization Mm -hmm. and not get mad at myself for feeling that way, I won't fuel the fire and hopefully those recurring unwanted thoughts will be less and less. Mm -hmm. P.S. That is like not something I came up with. That is like cognitive <laughs> behavioral therapy 101. And also more specifically, I go to this thing every Tuesday in the city, this thing called uh, uh, Dharma Punks hosted by this guy, uh, Josh Korda. And it's this, he's this, uh, this Buddhist practitioner who's also really into neuroscience and psychology. So he explains the same phenomena from a Buddhist perspective and from a neuroscience perspective. Wow. And he gives these discussions, these Dharma talks, and then it's like a guided meditation And so I like to go to that because I find him really insightful and I like to just be like, okay, even for half an hour, once a week, I know I'm going to be with this, a group, other people, and we're going to meditate together. You know, um, I don't think that people really understand. I'm not sure I really understand, although I've done some reading of what being bipolar really is. I mean, it's some, it's a psychotic, there is psychosis in it where you are not really in can can you explain it a little bit so people can understand it yeah well it's you know it's it's an umbrella term right that Mm -hmm. it takes on for different people Mm -hmm. more idiosyncratic forms um but it's um for you you know what's yeah 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 well it's a i mean it's a it's a mood disorder and uh there's bipolar one disorder and bipolar two disorder. There's some other versions too, but the most known are bipolar one and bipolar two. Bipolar one is like a, you know, proclivity for more manic episodes, like the highs often followed by depressions. Bipolar two is more of depressions and then something called hypomania, which is like mania light. It's like when you're ramping up and then there actually can be a window where uh, hypomania is, advantageous where you're kind of, you're very charismatic. You're sort of like the alpha version of yourself. Like Coke. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah. Like Coke. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, exactly. It's yeah. No, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, it's like, an, it's like, yeah. it's like not, but it's not, it's not. Yeah. It's an, uh, yeah, but I guess the difference is like with Coke, you just think you're like that. <laughs> right. Oh, or, or, I don't know. No, not I, you. I actually I mean, don't no, know. No, not you no. specifically. I mean, the per, I've never really yeah, messed with Yeah, I don't really. I'm not an expert, but that's what it is. But that's this actually like a hypomanic person can, can actually, be more productive. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yes, all that stuff. there's a lot Which of- maybe it's like Coke I or, see what you mean. Yeah, there's or, a lot of or, very yeah. successful people that are hype. Yeah, hype, but it's like you can't, like for myself, like there'll be that window, but then it'll kind of cross this threshold into mania. And with mania, there can there can be like visual- hallucinations and stuff like that and psychotic thinking where you're just like thinking that things are happening that aren't and stuff like that. Like you've had genuine, but genuine like paranoid. Yeah. I'll have like recurring weird delusions. Like, uh, and, and I, yeah, I like, do you know they're happening? Like, can you, is it like, like being on an acid trip, you know, you're on acid, 
but all this weird shit is happening. Is it like that? No, because that's one thing. Like I, I truly, when I'm on drugs, like I probably never, if I knew, if I knew more like my, um, you know, sort of, uh, uh, proclivity towards potentially having a mood disorder because of genetics and stuff like that. If I knew that young, maybe I would have had the presence of mind to be like, Oh, all my friends are smoking pot and stuff like that and doing psychedelics. I'm just going to not do it. But like, I've really struggled with ever having the ability to know that I'm on the drug even immediately after I take it. Like I don't have, <laughs> you don't even have that the fucking narrative distance. Oh, like I'll, wow. like I, even, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't do those drugs, but like even when I would smoke weed, I wouldn't even be able to like, my mind would be going, you know, all over oh. the place. I wouldn't be able to be like, Whoa, I am really high right now. I would just believe it. Like I would just oh. cannonball into the insanity. Oh, oh wow. And uh, yeah. And then in high school, when I did acid was, that was a bad idea. So it's, and that was yeah. a really, it was a really, really scary situation. But, uh, so then there's this one part, there's a small part of me or part of me that still is like, Oh wow. Did I do this to myself? Did I like fuck my brain? Because like I did this stuff, you know what I mean? Oh. And and so many other people that I know did considerably so much yeah. more drugs than me and have not had that sort no. of fallout. But it is possible that maybe, you know, maybe it's it it pushed to the forefront something that maybe would have remained more latent. I don't but, know. But I think if I remember correctly, you had a pretty stressful childhood, right? I, I no, I mean, no? My, I mean, my parents got divorced, but they were amicable, and I've always had I have I've always had you know positive family members in my life, and mm -hmm. we have we're a small family, but we're you know, we're close knit. I don't know. I wasn't, no. I, it's not fair for me to say that because they, um, okay. we're like a very, even, you know, there's a lot of, I love you's being thrown and around. Sta you know stability, I mean? right? Yeah. I mean, you had there stability. was relative stability. Yeah, okay. for sure. Uh, okay. and you know, parents that are hands on and present, oh, you know, okay. it was good it's enough. Wrong. Nobody's I, perfect. I must have, yeah. uh, maybe I'm mixing you up with Eric. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I just, I, I guess I just vibe to you as Broken Home. Thanks a lot, Lisa. No, and uh, yes, Eric, uh, Eric got uh, dealt a, a pretty rough hand. Yes, yes. So see, you can have a really nice family and still no one's fault. <laughs> just genetics can fuck you up. Thanks, Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> the poster child for being fucked now, up with now, a nice Nancy family. Nancy Spungen, you know, from Sid and Nancy, she was from a very normal family near where, out near where I grew up. Very normal. She oh, was wow. really fucked up. But the point I'm trying to make is that, like, in a certain way, you don't really have control over, you don't really, you're not aware, you're not contr in control of the things that are happening to you when you're manic or, right? It gets to a point where... Yeah, I'm like, not. But then at the same time, I can interact with people and maybe it's with people that I, like maybe the, the people that I know and my friends and stuff like that, they'll sort of see this market difference and they'll try to be like, John, you need to get help. But I'll be in a place in a, in a mindset where I'll be like, oh no, I'm like tapped into some sort of higher consciousness or something and they just can't see it or they're trying to compartmentalize me so they can dismiss it. But at the same time, this is where it gets dicey is I start meeting new people who have no context for me. Uh. And they're like, this guy's pretty interesting or I'm connecting with them in some way. So then I'm sort of creating this other sort of social world for me that ends up <laughs> going horribly awry. That's not funny. But no, it's, okay, it's like but. it's like you're like this um, 
you know, like this sort of like elevated version of yourself and you're meeting all these people and they must, you know, you're so char- charismatic and fabulous and yeah. energetic. And yeah, and I love it. it's, <laughs> it's and sometimes it works out, but sometimes it doesn't. It ends up being like I'm letting a lot of people into my place and we're partying in there and, and you know, and it's just like making roommates feel very uncomfortable, all sorts of stuff. Right. And then, you know, letting people in potentially that I don't really know very well. It's not, it's right, not a good scene. Right. You know? Well, that's where the consequences come in. Yeah. And also um, those people don't understand who they're, who they're really dealing with. How would they? Yeah. Um, can and you- then there's a weird, there's a weird thing where it's like, because because I'm a comedian and they're like, you know, I can sort of show people different websites of it. That's like newer people I'm meeting are kind of like, you know, they're impressed think, with yeah, that or something yeah, you're a big or, comedian. or like whatever. Absolutely. You're you know a very I mean? successful comedian. Well, yes. you put quotations around, around well, that. I'm proud of the work book, that I've done. In my book. Well, you're very sweet. Um, but uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's just, it's ultimately, it's not, it's not, it's So it's a not lot fun. of what's difficult is the consequences that come out of it, right? I mean, it's hard to live with it, but then, but then even if everything's okay, you're still, you're, you still have this kind of like, almost like a hangover or this whole, this thing of like, what, besides not knowing how long you're going to be okay, which I can't imagine what that would be like, but you also have all this other stuff of people you've met and, you know, experiences that you have to manage along with your regular life. So is that some of the stuff that you talk about in therapy? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I talk about how, uh, yeah, I mean, looking at it as a hangover is like an emotional hangover. Um, I talk about how there's lingering, uh, things of, of people I want to apologize to that I've, I've sort of like let some of them just still linger for whatever reason, because I know there's going to be that initial discomfort, but to not do it is I, even though I realize to not do it is going to make it still be this, this, this thing that's like, that keeps creeping up. Um, there's also, I get something where even if I, I, I have a sadness about even if, uh, friendships have been, repaired it's like oh maybe they're only now repaired to a certain degree and i'm not going to be close with this person like i had been in the past so you don't trust it uh it's not that i don't trust it i just i just i guess i just sense that that's i worry that that's how it's going to be or i sense that's how it's going to be and then i also have a worry about like oh maybe people are you know are nice to me we're friendly but don't want to be like uh don't want to get too close to me because it's like, oh, I don't want to be around when shit goes off the rails and then have mm-hmm. to kind of be subjected to that or have to be responsible mm-hmm. for that or something like that. And so stuff like that still bothers me, but honestly talking about it and, uh, is helpful. And also, uh-huh. and also thinking like, Hey, you know, what can I, I can't, I can't really control that. If that even is true, I can't control it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I can control, and I'm still trying to figure out how to do it, is to use all of these experiences and use my ability to do comedy and figure out how to create a community around uh, mental illness. Not just talk about my own shit all the time, mm-hmm. but maybe the fact that I have somewhat, I could have somewhat of a platform to talk about it. And like, because I'm a comedian and I really doesn't, don't 
give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like I could talk about this stuff without feeling like, uh, oh, I need to keep things secret. Then maybe mm-hmm. that can be something mm-hmm. that I could contribute and would be worthwhile. Well, what strikes me is that if the people and I, you know, I know, you know, you're well liked in this neighborhood. I know that. And so the people that are close to you, they know this about you. So they, you, you must have a sense if somebody's going to be really close with you for a long period of time, they're going to be there for you with the ups and downs. Right. Yeah. And do you trust? So are there people that you trust? Like, yeah, that? there are. And the, the next, the next plan I'm putting into place, which I, uh, am in doing is like, so my, my psychiatrist, she's, uh, cool with me, like creating some sort of like document that has her contact information. And then I'm going to, I'm creating the contact information of a handful or so friends. And then here and there, like organically, I'll sort of like ask people and I kind of add them to it. And then just to know, like if I'm spinning off the rails to be able to get in touch with her so she can get in touch with like the particular hospital that we would want to go to. Mm. And we could just make sure that this thing can get nipped in the bud early Good. Uh, instead of, you know, me kind of like scorching the earth. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I do think like what you're, I mean, your life sounds difficult. I mean, this is really hard. And- but it's weird though. It is, but also like, you know, like yesterday I, what did I do yesterday? Yesterday I woke up, did yoga, and then I went and met my friend for coffee. And then I went to a comedy show and hung out with my friends. And then yeah, I no, home, no, I'm, like, but I'm saying in the big picture, what's interesting yeah. is in the big picture, you've got a big obstacle, but it seems like you're, you are developing a method to deal with it. So even though maybe the obstacle is always like going to be there or it's horrible or whatever, you are figuring out better and better ways to manage it. So in other words, it's not going to get better, but your coping skills seem like they are. Yeah, I hope so. You so you can do that. Yeah, I hope which, so. Which is, which is, and you can share that, which is cool. And I was going to say also, I think like when you have something like that where, you know, you, you have, you know, you, let's say to be close with you or be in your universe, it takes some understanding. When you have a group of people like the community you're, you're, you're forming, then those people are all in the same boat and you, you guys, all need need each other or there's a certain there's there's a certain relief to not be judged by people who know who you are right yeah yeah and it's just i just yeah i think you're right i and i at this point since i've gotten back to new york i'm just when i'm doing shows and i i've i've been doing sets here and there i haven't like jumped back mm-hmm. into the grind which is fine for me right now but I'm just talking about my experiences with bipolar on stage. I'm just I'm, for the first time. No, no. I'm, I mean, I mean like time. entire sets. Oh, the whole set. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah you've yeah. been talking about, I've been this talking forever, about it forever, right? but it would always be like bits here and there within other stuff. Right. Yeah. And it would be on podcasts, but this right. is like, basically I wrote an hour and I'm just working out different parts of it, but it's just all about it. And so I'm starting to so give us like, Cause, and, and, cause a, a, an audience at a regular standup show, they're, they're potentially going to be on board, but it's not necessarily what they're expecting. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so I just do a little disclaimer where I, I just start every show. Now I'm like, hello, everybody. I'm just going to be really honest. I'm, I'm starting to bounce back. 
but my bipolar disorder has been kicking my ass lately and it's pretty much all I'm going to be talking about tonight. So I really hope you guys are into bipolar disorder related <laughs> comedy. I really hope you guys dig that very particular <laughs> subgenre of stand up because that's what mama's dishing out. That's how I start all the sets. And just to show that little bit of vulnerability there to explain that, I think opens the door for me to jump into it. But I'm like now the next bit pretty much. I'm revealing within two, two and a half minutes of my set that I've been in the psych ward, you know? Wow. And I'm just fucking doing it. Wow. Fuck it. And is that, is, is, uh, has that been a good experience? Like, do you, sometimes audiences are really on board with it. Sometimes they're sort of trying to feel it out, but they're certainly always interested. (laughs) And it's, and it's, I mean, I think it's, there's a bit of a challenge there, which is, important i think vulnerable this is one thing i've learned from group being in group therapy i was in this group for like 18 years wow and the thing that i learned from group therapy is that showing vulnerability is really what people appreciate and brings people closer yeah and, i think it's and as a com- yeah you're right i think as a comedian that it's actually uh more worthwhile I don't think all comedians have to do it. I think there's all sorts of ways yeah. to be funny. But the idea of being like, oh, that comedian's just like, you know, confessional or vulnerable and that's like weak or something. I think that mentality is absurd yeah. because I think comedians that can figure out a way to push that stuff out, it's 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 a version of what the art form of stand-up can be. Mm-hmm. How does uh, different phases of being bipolar affect you on stage? Well, if I'm depressed, I'm not performing. I'm self-isolating, uh-huh. you know. And if I'm if I'm manic, at times the frenetic energy might be really funny and out there, and there could be some sort of quote unquote like brilliant stream of consciousness thing. Mm-hmm. But there's no consistency to it, mm-hmm. and uh, it could also go off the rails in a way where I think I'm being like super edgy, but I'm being fucked up. Like I remember one time I was doing a show and I was manic. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be like edgy and like talk about how obviously, you know, people of color are better than like white people and white people suck. So as a white person, the only thing that we can do is like to get rid of all of the people of color. And it was like not like, oh, and I, was being like I was saying it like satirically or whatever, but it was just coming across as like so absurdly wow. over the top racist or something. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? How did the, that's, I mean, personally, it was I, think like, that, I wish I'd been there, but like, I, I would love, I mean, was, that's hilarious. It, can, it was, it was potentially hilarious, but it was just like, it was cringy, a little cringy. Were people, were you know people, I mean? did people not respond? It was, yeah, it was just kind of like, what? There was some nervous laughter, a couple laughs, and there were people just being kind of quiet. So, and then you were like, "What am I saying?" No, I, at the time I was like, "This is great," but like, uh, <laughs> but but me and my friends that like saw it there laugh about it. One thing is great being part of this comedy community. Like my friends that you know that really care about each other and stuff like that. Like I, they'll like you know they'll make fun of me like relentlessly about this stuff, and that's great because yeah. to not have that. Yeah. It means that they don't pity me. They're not walking on eggshells around me and stuff. So that is nice. Like I remember 10 years ago when I had this terrible episode and I got like banned from this, like this, this venue and stuff like that. And, and I was nervous about going back there and my friends like threw a roast of me for the first time that I went back there. 
And you know what I mean? How adorable So I didn't have to like hobble that? back in there. And like, How adorable. Yeah, it was nice. It was a really cool thing. So I just, the main thing is I have, uh, I've caused pain for other people that I, and I feel really bad about it. Yeah. And, you know, and I've caused pain for my family and it really hurts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I just, I don't want to do that anymore, but at the same time, not, not, but, but also I need to just pursue, pursue this life. I don't want to stop being a comedian. No, I, you know, I no. have, I have something to contribute. I think. Absolutely. And I do think like, it's, I mean, it's really, um, you know, it's, you're, what you're trying to do is give back, do something positive with the shit you've been given, which is, yeah. so, you know, like guys, it's pretty like, I know you're going to hate this, John, but it's pretty kind of inspiring. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I really want to make a lot of money off my bipolar disorder. Really? <laughs> no, I'm yeah. no, 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 I'm thinking, well, I bet, you know, we need, well, but see, it would no, be great sweet. if you you're could sweet. show, no, but it would be great if you could show that it was a money making illness. No, I love Lisa, that idea. I was just joking. The I idea love, of like, I know you're not. I mean, even if you are, I'm not, I'm not. Any, anything that you can turn into, any bad thing that you can make yeah. money off yeah, of yeah, yeah. is so great. Yeah. I, honestly, I just want to, uh, if I could make a living and create a community around this stuff and mm-hmm. destigmatize and have us talk about these issues and also have, have fun while doing it, have people feel less alone and, and, and talk about other people's experiences and, and do that. I would make me really happy. Yeah. Well, I think we've, I think we've done that today. Yeah. And, uh, you know, come back, come back. I want you to come back when, uh, in a couple of months and we'll check in with you. Cause I think you're at the beginning of something really interesting and something that it sounds really positive and, uh, you have a vision of it. So I yeah, I'm, re- I'm really, I'm, le- I'm really this. leaning into the mental illness. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. Cause uh, you know, that's what, we're, that's, that's, that's what we, that's what we're here for. You know, I mean, I certainly, I, I have mine, but not, you know, not, it's not as dramatic. Um, although I have done some cutting, I mean, that's, that's legitimate, right? Cutting, that's that's, real mental illness. That counts, doesn't it? (laughs) Counts. So anyway, um, I can't believe how fast this time went. So I really do want to have you back, but um, I want everybody to go to JFOD, that's J-F-O-D, comedyspecial.com, and listen to John's special. Go see his show that he hosts at the Cobra Club, which is a great club off the Jefferson Stop every Friday at every Friday 10, 9, 9. 9. 9. Yeah. And also come see me doing Psychotherapy Live at the Bad Theater Festival. Stick around. We've got a great afternoon of programming. Thanks for listening.